the Juilliard training is very focused on trying to make us unique artists. And part of that is finding our voice. It's trying to find a way of having a unique perspective on material that perhaps other people maybe don't see. This is Pathways, a series featuring current and former students of the Juilliard School on how to get accepted at one of the world's most renowned schools for the performing arts. Here's our host, Sebastian Winter. Hey, welcome to Pathways. My name is Sebastian Winter and I'm really excited because today's guest is both a model and an actress who is currently pursuing her master's degree at Juilliard School of Drama. Born and raised in England, she already holds a degree in English Literature from the Warwick University. She's worked during London Fashion Week, worked for Calvin Klein, L'Oreal and has appeared in editorials for Nylon, Vogue Italia and Dazed. Today's guest is no other than Miss Elizabeth Yeoman. <laughs> Hi. Hey, how's it going? Very good. That introduction has made me giggle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Really excited to have you. And let's dive right in. What makes you get up in the morning? Tell us about your goals. <laughs> I think I love coming to school so much. And I, I try to live in the present. Mm -hmm. I think if I look too far ahead, I get very freaked out. I think I, I know what I want my future to be. I know I want to be super focused in the future. I want to be happy. If that revolves around a career in performing, that's something that would be great. But also I just, I want to be content with whatever I do. So on a morning when I wake up and I go to Juilliard and I have a day of class, I think every minute I try and really make the most of it. I try not to take anything for granted and I try and always do my best. And I try not to look too far ahead. <laughs> I try to think, oh, what am I doing tonight? Or, you know, what am I going to eat for lunch? Or, you know, I try and that's how I try and live my life. That's a great approach, especially given that we're in an industry that is really unpredictable. Now, you literally came a long way. You're from Cheltenham, the UK, a beautiful small town with a population less than 40,000 people. But here you are pursuing a career that requires discipline, dedication, and unlimited imagination. For all the young people that are growing up in small towns that can feel worlds away from a city like New York, how did you get here? How did you develop a global mindset and the confidence to actively reach for your goals? Yeah, I come from, so I was born in Cheltenham, but I come from a very small town in the Cotswolds. And I never imagined that I would move to New York. I really thought I would stay in my little town. I, <laughs> I stayed for a very long time. And then I was scouted to model. And I think that changed everything for me because through that I, I traveled around the world and then I started wanting to volunteer I went to Ecuador I think it really changed my viewpoint on my future like I I suddenly thought oh there is a whole world and there, I can do stuff outside of my small town and so through modeling I was put in film work that was never something that I actively kind of pursued 
And I started meeting directors, started doing some moving image work. And then it all just kind of very quickly evolved into me applying to Juilliard. So not having done much acting beforehand, what inspired you to apply here? I remember there was a point where I did a short film and there was an actor on that short film who was trained and they were incredible and I was so inspired. I was chatting to them and all that I was receiving was all this very exciting, positive storytelling about this drama society I was in and this play at school. And I thought, I can't possibly apply to Juilliard from having done some plays as a tiny kid and all this time having had my heads in books in a library on my own. That's not an actor. An actor is this big outgoing personality that is in all these drama clubs and does plays and writes. And I felt very, to be honest, I felt embarrassed. And when I loaded that website, like, where do you start looking for monologues? Do you Google it? And then everyone's Googling the same thing. And then do you start trying to find indie plays to find a monologue from? And then does it suit you? And it, it was a huge, very long process. So how did you know which monologues to pick? It was a case of I did have a backup monologue, which was a Shakespeare monologue. And I didn't get asked to do that until the last 10 minutes. And that was from my teacher who teaches Shakespeare here. And she very quickly said, Elizabeth, I want to see you do some Shakespeare. But up until that point, I, I'd i been doing my other classical, which is Afrobenz, the Rover, Angelica. And that monologue, I came across that when I was looking for playwrights who would fit into the category they were looking for, which is just a certain time period. You know, classical is so vague, but I I was looking up what that means and who that could include. And I think it's just a case of reading lots of plays. Because if you if you read words and it hits you, like the first line is, you said you loved me, and at that instant I gave you my heart. And the minute I read that, I thought, oof. I want to get on a plane and I want to fly there and I want to say that. And I want to say it in many different ways. I could say that crying. I could say that cold. I could say that fierce. I could be angry. And if it excites you, that's what you've got to go for. If you read something and you think, oh, it's okay, that that will tick a box. They can see that in your eyes, you're not fully present with it. And so I think reading the play multiple times once you've picked it, for me, I was sifted. I mean, contemporary was hard. Because there's a lot of contemporary plays being produced, which is wonderful. But at the same time, it can be sometimes hard to find something that you connect with. Because you can be tempted to want to show versatility by doing an accent or doing something that doesn't necessarily align with your personality. But in the end, I picked a character who had an abortion. And it was her kind of retrospectively talking about this baby and picturing what it would have looked like. And I think that for me was such a beautiful piece of writing and it had so much imagery in it. You know, just picturing this human that you could have, but you chose not to have it. It moved me so deeply every single time I read that play. I read it so many multiple times. And then even on the flight, I just remember thinking, I'm so excited to share this. I wonder if they've heard this before. I wonder if I can show it off in the best way I can because I love this writing. So I think the key is just really, really loving something, really wanting to 
give it into the room and, and, and show it. And then that's the key to it, really connecting. It's so fun when you can really connect. It's not always, it's a real privilege to have that. I mean, at Julia, we get given so much material that some of us just really don't connect with and some of us do and that's part of the training. But I think in that early stage when you can pick a monologue, that's such a gift and it's a chance to show what you pick. That's a great piece of advice. Really connecting to the piece you perform, no matter if you're a musician, a dancer or an actress, that really is the key to a great performance. Now, fast forward a few months. How was your actual audition? I was so excited to be in New York and I was also so jet lagged because I flew in. It was delayed. I went to my hotel, slept for a few hours. Then I went to Juilliard early morning and started performing. You also have to sing. <laughs> I just picked a favorite song of mine. Uh, hadn't had singing training and I gave it my best and there was just this very carefree energy that I brought with me and I don't know why because you'd think I would have been very nervous but I think it felt like such a big prestigious school and it felt like such a long shot to get in that I was like oh what the heck let's just have some fun with it and that was when then the audition panel could give me redirection and say, try doing it like this, try singing your song like you're in a rock band. And they just would throw in stuff at me and I was just very available. And then, long story short, I ended up staying until 11 p.m. that night, kept performing, kept doing different rounds. And then I flew home and I thought, will I get into the final 40? It starts off like a few thousand people, then it gets down to the people invited to New York. Then it gets down again to the final callback, which is 40 people. And then out of that, you get the chosen 18. And so it still felt like a long way to go. And then I got news that I was in the callback weekend. And then COVID hit, and then we had to do it on Zoom. My flights were cancelled for the callback weekend. And then I performed from my living room. My mum helped me clear out all the furniture to try and make it look as professional as possible. <laughs> She would take the dog out for a walk so that I could perform without her possibly barking or scratching at the door looking for me. And then I, I got the call from the faculty that I was one of the 18. And, and that was it. I accepted. And yeah. That's amazing. We briefly touched upon the topic that you have an undergrad degree in English literature. Does that degree come in handy when you're studying new scripts? I think... It certainly helps me analyze work and understand characters. But I also think in terms of performing, it can be inhibiting purely because I'm working to try and get out of my head. You know, acting isn't necessarily an intellectual head process. It's more of a feeling. It's a someone will land something on you and you have to process that in the most real, truthful way you can. And then you send your text back in a way that is then coming from a, a feeling that comes over you, an impulse to speak, even though you know what you're going to say because you've memorized the script. That's, that's the kind of idea. Um, I think now I'm at a point where I try and apply my degree to the very early table work stages of going through a script and working with my fellow actors. But then I very quickly try and put the paper away and put the degree away and just try and get into myself and into my body and into my feelings and get that energy out onto the stage rather than having my brain telling me <laughs> what to do. Yeah. 
How are your teachers at Juilliard helping you develop as an actress? I think first year was very much about trying to find my voice. I think <laughs> I've always had a very high voice and I've always had trouble using dynamic range when I perform in the short films that I did before Juilliard. And so my teachers are really trying to help me find my body, find myself within just my anatomy, just trying to really help my voice be grounded, help my acting be grounded, find my feet. So I think Juilliard are really helping me work from a very base point, almost like building blocks. They're like building me as a human. And with that just comes understanding of myself. I think the classroom is such a welcoming environment. I really trust my group. I trust my teachers. We all have a very close connection to the point that we can feel what we want to feel and be open. I think vulnerability is something that Juilliard is really helping its students lean into. So have you ever had any days of doubt or even regret since you started at Juilliard? In my heart, I know that training is the right thing for me. I know that that is so important to me as an artist to be able to have longevity as an actor. And so I maybe have moments of wondering, but I would never say it's a serious consideration of regret or, you know, I shouldn't be here. I'm very grateful every day to be a Juilliard. That's incredible to hear. Now, as a young artist, and that's probably true for all disciplines, most of us are still searching for our unique voice. So I've been wondering, to what degree does a Juilliard school encourage you to embrace your uniqueness and to develop a distinct voice as an actress? I think the Juilliard training is very focused on trying to make us unique artists. And part of that is finding our voice. It's trying to find a way of having a unique perspective on material that perhaps other people maybe don't see. And that can be something that requires lots of practice. And just it's a way of trying to think outside of the box and try and approach a role or a character in a way that is perhaps taking a risk. But I think having an attitude of I know what to do with this. I can do this. I can bring myself to this and create something that is unique. It's just having a certain confidence in the approach. And I think that's what the training gives us. So speaking of the confidence in the approach, how can young actresses and actors develop the confidence, even if they don't happen to go to a place like Juilliard? I think practice, reading lots of material, watching lots of content, going to see lots of shows, listening to lots of actors discussing the craft. And I think just doing it, just acting, just trying to figure out a way of approaching the work in a way that you're bringing yourself because yourself is unique. Nobody else is like you. And if you can imbue a character with yourself and with your own life experience and with your own knowledge of the world, that is something totally unique and special that you are bringing. The training can bring that along and speed up that process, perhaps, but everyone is capable of doing that and creating something beautiful and unique. So training really is not the be-all and end-all at all. Everyone can do that. Those are some truly powerful words, and I can only underline that. It's not solely about the college you're attending. It's about your passion, your dedication, your persistence, and your drive. So tell me, have you been facing any challenges since you began your degree here? When I was given my first role in a play at Juilliard, that was hard. 
it was a main role, lots of lines, performing in front of the school. And it felt like I was being thrown off a mountain. Like I think it was the first moment where I thought, can I be at Juilliard having not really been in plays? having not done much, just doing some some film work. It's such a different muscle. And through rehearsal, I got used to dealing with massive chunks of text and I got used to projecting out to an audience and it, all the pieces came together. I'm glad it was a very short amount of time where I felt very low, but it was definitely, it was definitely a, a hard time. Yeah, it can certainly be challenging to be constantly surrounded by people who already are overly accomplished for the young age especially given that imposter syndrome is something that many artists carry around with themselves anyways. How do you deal with that? How I deal with it is I really just look at the day I'm in. Like I was saying, I try not to look too far ahead. I think, well, today I've got this class in there, so I've got to learn these lines. I'm performing later, and then I'm going to go and I'm, I'm going to go get some pizza and go to bed, and that's a good day. And I'm doing okay, and I'm here. And I got in, and I trust my teachers and I trust that I'm growing and if if imposter syndrome pops up you know I think yes I'm with people who maybe have done more but um, we're all here to learn together and instead of feeling intimidated maybe just turning that into I feel inspired by that and I will one day have all that experience it's just not happened yet it's good stuff to come I think that's the way to deal with it that's a great way to look at it thanks for sharing that now, we're both still pretty new to the States. What has your experience here been like so far since you moved? I think it can be very scary. There's just certain things that I come across and I think, oh, I'm not familiar with that. I'm not familiar with the taxes or certain things will throw me and I get frustrated and I feel <laughs> like this English girl that doesn't fully understand America. And, and then I, I actually think it's very easy to feel like that. I would say that it's so doable for anyone from a small town to go just somewhere completely different. I did get homesick. I do miss my home. But I also feel like, like I said, everything perfectly aligned uh, very, very mysteriously. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel American yet? I, I felt American when I went to the Yankees game, which you were also at. And I went and got my cheesy chips. And I, I kind of was trying to understand the rules. And then I went home <laughs> after the game and I, I researched it. And now I feel a little bit more American. So, and I've got a credit card, which for me was like such a big, That's <laughs> a huge. big thing. A social security number. Wow. I can now take the metro and not have to look at my phone on maps so, so meticulously. I can walk around the streets and converse with American people and people kind of understand me now. I'm not using such ridiculous English phrases. <laughs> <laughs> Just little things where I, I, I suddenly think, oh, I feel, I feel less English lately. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do on the weekends? Where will people find you on a typical Friday or Saturday night? <laughs> The drama society is so close that it's a lot of very last minute, let's go to this pub or let's go to this bar and just drinking and talking about life and music and films and plays. And also the drama division will give us free tickets to things. 
So that is wonderful. We sometimes go off and we go to performances. We watch each other in performances, the other year groups. So that's often on a Friday or Saturday night. <laughs> nice. Elizabeth, thank you so much. That was super inspiring. Thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. That was jolly good fun, wasn't it? It was great. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> 